We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. When you're going against a very motivated team, such as the Boston Celtics, they, they have a chip on their shoulder. Um, it's clear as day that they want to win the championship and they're not wasting any time in the regular season. So tonight I felt like we were just one of those teams in the way and um, we just can't be one of those teams in the way. we got to be one of those teams that stands up to them and um, at least shows them that we're going to be competition for them moving forward, uh, which I believe we are, but tonight we just didn't show it. So um, can't hang our heads, got to keep our heads up um, and just get ready for this next homestand that we have. And now, a Boston original on Boston Sports Original. It's Christian Arcan on WEEI. Hey, what's up? Good afternoon. Welcome in Sports Radio WEEI. We're Boston Sports Original. I am Christian Arcan, and I'm here with you until 4 o'clock. Got a big show for you today. 2.30, going to be joined by John Corrales, Boston Sports Journal. Talk uh, basketball with him. We'll get to uh, the Celtics and Kyrie Irving here in just a moment. Also going to be joined by a different Kyrie, Kyrie Thompson, our own Kyrie Thompson. A- appropriate today, I would say. And real quick, just uh, while I'm on the subject, I haven't sat in this chair in a while. This thing is worse than ever. I did, the, the headphone jack in here is the worst it's ever been. I can't hear can it. Say something, Andrew. Hello. Testing. All right, I got, I got you for a second there. All right, I got it. I was told uh, I was told not to talk about this, and I won't anymore. But I figured by now it'd be fixed. You're taking a stand. <laughs> Maybe the worst I've ever, the worst it's ever been. Uh, anyways, uh, got a lot to get to here today, and we'll begin with uh, the Celtics, who I think have broken Kyrie Irving. I think the Celtics broke Kyrie. I think they broke the Brooklyn Nets, and uh, I couldn't be happier. Really, uh, I don't think I don't think anybody has too much of a problem with that around here. Uh, even John Tomasi, who scolded us all for taunting Draymond Green, didn't, didn't have anything to say about uh, going after Kyrie, which the Celtics fans did in that blowout the other night. And uh, despite what you heard Kyrie saying there about uh, we're one of those teams in the way, but hey, can't can't get uh, down on ourselves, can't let our heads get down, can't, can't uh, be upset about it. Uh, he's not upset because he's leaving. <laughs> or at least he's uh, saying he wants to leave. What's really going on here? What's Kyrie Irving really up to? Um, there's a lot of theories out there. Is he done in Brooklyn? Does he not want to play there anymore? I don't think the answer to that question is yes, per se. I don't think it is. I think he's fine playing in Brooklyn. I think he does like playing with Kevin Durant, who's hurt right now, but I think that that's, you know, still a, still a match that he's okay with. I don't think that he's had it up to here with the Brooklyn Nets and Durant and everybody, and he just wants out. I think he likes the coach. It sort of seems like that all has been going okay. He's just been having to do it all himself. Uh, these last few weeks, anyway, without Kevin Durant. The real problem here, though, is that I think there's a lot of teams in the offseason that don't have the cap space to sign him without making major cuts. Like, you have teams like the Houston Rockets, maybe, who could take on his contract or give him the contract that he wants. Uh, four years, what does he want? Uh, four years, $200 million, something like that? Good luck, by the way. <laughs> Good luck to anybody who forks that over to Kyrie Irving. Um, but that's what he's looking for. And that may not happen if some team just signs him in the uh, in the offseason. It would most more likely take a trade to facilitate something like that. 
um, at least without having to make a whole bunch of other cuts around the roster. So maybe that's what he's looking for. Uh, article with uh, Steve Bulpet over at Heavy.com kind of implied that. Uh, there was an unnamed player source who was like, well, you know, Kyrie holds all the cards here because he can say to Brooklyn, either you give me that extension or you better trade me because I'm going to just check out for the rest of the year. And if I check out for the rest of the year, you're not winning anything and I'm going to leave anyway. And that's, I mean, listen, you know, in terms of the owner versus player leverage game, like it's easy to crap on Kyrie, but if this was a player in Boston doing this and, you know, it was different circumstances and it was a player you all liked, we all liked, then it would be a different uh, story. So I don't necessarily think that trying to get leverage with your team and with your contract is an inherently bad thing to be doing. I don't think that it is. I think that uh, there's maybe better ways of doing it that don't make you, that don't come off this way. And Kyrie, I think, is already very much, you know, off the rails when it comes to his uh, public persona. But what's Brooklyn going to do here? Because Kevin Durant basically demanded the same thing of this uh, of this team last offseason. He demanded a trade. So you better trade me. Or else. And Brooklyn said, okay. And they called the Celtics and said, we'll uh, take Tatum and Brown for Kevin Durant. And the Celtics said, no. And then the Celtics, allegedly... Although this has been disputed, it was Scal, I think, disputed this. Even though Shams wrote an article about it, and I didn't hear anybody from the Celtics disputing his article, but after that, uh, the Celtics counteroffered and said, what do you think about Jalen Brown and I forget who else it was, uh, Jalen Brown and, like, Derek White and the pick or something like that? And the Nets said, how about, instead of that, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, and the picks and somebody else? And the Celtics said, no, uh, we'll stand pat on our last offer, whatever. I don't know what happened after that. But it didn't go any further. What I can tell you, though, is that the Celtics made a counteroffer. And when you make a counteroffer, there's a chance that the other team's going to accept it. Now, it's been disputed, so I'm not going to ignore that. I'm going by the Shams report. But uh, Scal on these airwaves said that he, he heard differently. He heard that that was just sort of something Brooklyn threw out there to make it seem like there was more of a market maybe for Durant, and I think that's possible, I guess. But if it was, why didn't the Celtics come out and dispute it? Why didn't the Celtics come out and say, we didn't offer that? We didn't offer to trade Jalen Brown? Why wouldn't they have made that big public showing of that if for no other reason than to show Jalen Brown, hey, no, actually, that's not true. We're not trying to trade you. We want to keep you here. Uh, we're, we didn't make an offer <laughs> to get uh, Durant over here. And by the way, I was talking with the, with uh, Jones and, and Mego about this uh, the last two days, really, once the, uh, once the Kyrie news broke. There was a time when I very much considered the Jalen Brown for Kevin Durant trade, and I thought that it wasn't a crazy trade. This past offseason, I thought it was something that they should really think about. Um, Kevin Durant, as much as I like Jalen Brown, Kevin Durant, I think, still at his age, is better than him. He's hurt a lot. Jalen Brown's hurt a lot, too. But he's not 34 going on 35, so I think that that matters. And also, he's more healthy right now, so that also matters too. This was in the offseason. It was in the offseason when I was thinking that Jalen Brown might be out the door. Might be thinking, you know what? I could stay here and sign a Supermax and be Jason Tatum's uh, in his shadow for the rest of my career, or I can go out and do my own thing, you know, or I can go out and like Tracy McGrady, get my own uh, Orlando magic team and blaze my own trail instead of playing here with Vince Carter or something. You know, it's not exactly like that, but you know what I mean? Like, uh, does Jalen Brown want to go out and be the man and have a team built around him? Or does he want to be the second guy? And I mean, really it's one a and one B in, in Boston right now, but no one's confused about who one a is. Uh, it's still Jason Tatum. Despite that, horrific game he had last night, which I'll get to in just a minute. 
The other reason why I was thinking about Jalen Brown and sort of wondering where his uh, where his head might be is because of the Kanye West Don the Sports thing, which in retrospect, maybe not the best guy to get in the business with. I just you know just the remember that remember that there's people defending that. Oh, the whole Don to Sports thing. Oh, Isn't man. Antonio Brown still a part of that, too? He's... I think he's like the president of Don to Sports. I think he's like the guy, you know, well, Kanye is obviously the president, but like, I think he's, uh, you know, he's like the he's like the CEO or something. I think Antonio Brown's still very active uh, with Don to Sports. A great brand to, uh, to align yourself with these days, I, I must say. And to Jalen Brown's credit, he did sever ties. You know, I mean, like Jalen Brown and Pusha T and basically everybody who ever had anything to do with Kanye has all been like, I think we're okay. Anybody and, with a brain. Antonio Brown's like, I'll be the CEO. <laughs> I'll be the CEO of Donda Sports. That'll be great. That'll be great for me. And my, what's he even doing? Is he making music now, Antonio Brown? Who cares? I, I don't know. I think I just, uh, by hitting the table, I think I just uh, broke this thing even worse. There was a video I saw, I don't know how long ago this was, but it was Antonio Brown saying James Harrison was the one that gave him CTE because he had an illegal helmet for 20 years. But James Brown, James Brown, James Harrison didn't play for almost, he played for 17, but he didn't play over 20 years. James Harrison had an illegal helmet? I, I, I guess. <laughs> I, I don't have an illegal helmet? The, <laughs> Doesn't the, the team give you the helmet? That's <laughs> coming out of Antonio Brown's that's mouth, true. so I, I don't know. Why doesn't everybody just wear an illegal helmet? Why isn't the whole plane made out of the black box, you know? like That's that's what I would wonder about something like that. Um, back to Brown and, and Durant and all that. I was, I was considering it. But one thing that uh, always would creep into my head was, man, they were close last year, and man... Jalen Brown really picked up the slack for Jason Tatum in those finals. Uh, Jason Tatum didn't have one good game in those finals, and they still won the first two, and that was the first game was because everybody was hitting those threes. But the rest of it, the reason why they won the second game and the rest of the games were even close was because of Jalen Brown and the leadership that he sort of showed there and the way he was able to pick up the slack for Jason Tatum, who was, to me, there's different theories about what happened with Tatum at the end there. Uh, I know Jones just thinks he's soft. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I think he's soft, but I do think he was burned out at the end of last season. He played in the Olympics. Uh, he had the two seven-game series, and it wasn't, I mean, listen, was Golden State a physical team? Sure. Were they more physical than the Heat? No, I don't think so. I think the Heat are a more physical team than uh, Golden State. Who's more physical, Jimmy Butler or Andrew Wiggins? Like, it's not even close. Adebayo and Green, fine. You might have me there, but who's, which one of those is more likely guarding Jason Tatum? I remember Wiggins on Tatum almost that entire series, and he was just playing him straight up. He wasn't bodying him around. He's not Wiggins isn't that kind of player. Uh, Butler was doing that more, I thought. Uh, you know, Giannis was doing that more uh, in the Milwaukee series. It was uh, those were more physical series, I thought, than than Golden State's. I think Tatum was just cooked. I think at that point he was just he was burnt out. And that happens. I mean, that happens over the course of a season. It happens with young players. It happens with older players. It can happen with any kind of player. I know he's still young, but I think that can still happen. And I'm worried about that happening this year. Um, Jalen Brown, though. Uh, Jalen Brown at the end of the season and in that series was uh, was everything we wanted Tatum to be, wasn't he? And unfortunately, that was not enough. And I thought, coming out of that, what's everyone still talking about? Still talking about Tatum. Tatum's all NBA. Brown's not. Tatum's an all-star starter. Uh, Brown's a reserve. Is he going to want to finally bust out and be his own guy and, and leave and do that? I haven't seen anything like that this year. I have no reason to believe that this year. And let's be honest, they were close last season. And this season, they've been the best team in the league. 
And that may be ending soon, all right? I mean, listen, the Nuggets are right on their heels, and so are uh, Milwaukee, so is 76ers. Brooklyn maybe not so much now with uh, this whole Kyrie situation, but there's teams, they are not necessarily the best, uh, guaranteed to be the best team in the league right now uh, uh, going forward here. Denver's right there. Milwaukee's right there. Philadelphia's right there. So that may be coming to an end, and I understand there's been some injuries, but that's not the point. The point is they're still the best team in the league, and they have been all year. Would they have been the best team in the league all year if they had traded for Kevin Durant and Durant had missed, I don't know, a month or however long he's missed now? I don't know that the answer to that question is yes. And I definitely don't know if that was the case. Think about how many minutes Joe Mazzulla would be playing Jason Tatum. He's already playing him 37 minutes a game. <laughs> if you had Durant now instead of instead of Brown to start the year, you'd still probably be the best team, I'll give you that. But this last month, you wouldn't have had Durant, and Tatum would be out there probably playing 42 minutes a night. And that's the main thing I'm worried about. That's the main thing I'm scared of, is that Tatum's going to get completely burnt out again. I think that would be a tragedy, because there is no need for that this year. And that's one big problem that I've had with Joe Missoula. Um Don't play these guys so much. There's no need to. In that Brooklyn game, he goes, oh, I should have played him the whole first half. Why? You were up 30 points in the first quarter. Why would that prompt you to say something like, oh, I should have played him the whole first half? There's no need for it. There was no need to do that. The only thing that I could say maybe isn't his fault when it comes to the playing time is you don't have a lot of depth at the wing position, all right? You got Sam Hauser and Grant Williams, and that's basically it, all right? It's not great. Um, You got plenty of uh, depth at point guard. You even got some depth at big. Not great, but you got guys there at least. You just don't have guys uh, on the wing. It has to be Brown. It has to be Tatum. Those guys have to be out there because there's nobody else. Um, that's something they can change with a trade. That's something they can change with, I don't know, a, a pickup from a contract buyout after the deadline. There's a lot of ways you can go with it. I'm not really concerned about the Celtics and uh, the trade deadline here, but I do think that there's a way that they can, at the very least, try and preserve their two superstars a little bit better because I'm glad they didn't trade for Durant. I am. But I'm still not 100% sold on this team being uh, NBA championship favorites right now. I just I got some concerns. And last night did not help those concerns one bit. 617-779-7937. There's your phone number. Quick break. When we come back, we'll dive into that Celtics-Suns game last night. Um, and we'll talk about how much this team may or may not miss Marcus Smart. All that coming up right after trending. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Covering Boston sports and beyond, we're back to Christian Arcan on WEEI. Three. Three. 106.94 and I think that's going to do it the win this is the NBA for you a tough loss for Celtics tonight we'll be back to wrap it up in just a minute final score 106.94 Phoenix yuck Yuck! Last night, I hope you uh, <laughs> hope you got home okay. 
Uh, uh, WEEI here. Boston Sports Original. I'm Christian Arcan here with you until 4 o'clock. Uh, I feel bad for the paying customers last night at TD Garden because that was ugly. That was an ugly fourth quarter. Um, it looked like they were okay in the third. They came out with a big third quarter there. The Celtics did. It was uh, enough. I think they took the lead. If not, they got right there in that third quarter. But either way, um, to to see the effort in the fourth and really just Jason Tatum, who was lost for most of the night, what a brutal game for him. Um, I just got finished talking about the finals last year, and, I mean, this was kind of a microcosm of that, wasn't it? Jason Tatum, 3 of 15. And the three uh, makes were three-pointers. He was 3 for 10 from three-point range, which means he only took five shots inside the arc and missed all five of them. <laughs> so uh, he did have a bunch of free throws, but, I mean, that was a, a just a brutal game uh, to watch for Jason Tatum, who played, again, 38 minutes. Jalen Brown, 39 minutes. He had 27 points, and uh, no one else could really get anything going other than Derek White. Uh, Brogdon had an okay game off the bench. No one else really gave you anything. Grant Williams didn't give you anything. Horford, nah. Robert Williams, I think, sort of had his hands full there with Aiton, who finished with 14, 10, and 5. He had a good game. Uh, Bridges had a good game, too. He was making shots. And uh, Saric, 14 and 13 for him. And 4, 7 of his 3. He had a nice shooting day there. And I'll tell you what, that was the Phoenix Suns without their best player. That was the Phoenix Suns minus one Devin Booker who was sitting on the sideline and uh, they didn't miss him at all. I was thinking about that. I was thinking, man, for whatever reason, the Celtics seem to have trouble with teams this year when that team, and it doesn't mean they've lost every game, but they've had trouble with these teams and the teams don't have their best players. You know, it's not as easy as it should be some of these nights. And I do think that this Celtics team has a bit of an overlooking problem, and I think that was on display last night. They were zeroed in on Brooklyn, weren't they? I didn't think. I don't think they missed an entire shot that whole first half. I think they made every single shot for the first two quarters of that game. What was the score? Seventy-nine to thirty-five or whatever at the half. I was working that night. Checked the score. It was like ninety-five to like sixty-five. I was like, oh, okay. It's a massacre that game. Not missing anything. The Celtics get dialed in when they want to be. They they focus when they want to. Sometimes they need a little help from the refs, LeBron, you know, a little, little assistance there. Maybe sometimes help push them over the finish line in those big games. That was a big game last Saturday. And this is a pretty big one here against Brooklyn, and they came out firing. They came out, and those are the only two games they've won in the last, uh, in the last week or so. I'll tell you, it's, a, it's an issue. It's becoming an issue for this team. At 37-16 and 16 right now, the Celtics are 6-4 uh, and four over their last 10. A game and a half up on Milwaukee. Two games up on uh, Philadelphia, but only one game back in the loss column. Brooklyn's now at five games back. That's probably not going to get much better. But Cleveland's right there at five and a half. And I'll tell you what, I'm a little concerned about uh, Cleveland Cavaliers. They got some dog in them, those Cavs. And uh, I'm a big fan of Donovan Mitchell. Any Brewster Academy kid I'm, I'm rooting for. Uh, but I like Mitchell a lot, and I'll tell you, that, that team, you know, they're pretty good. Not to mention, all right, so Brooklyn may drop in the standings. Maybe. What if they trade Kyrie to, I don't know, the Miami Heat, who currently sit at 29-24, and 24, eight games back, just outside of the play-in tournament. 
What if Kyrie became a Heat? Became a Heat. It's a weird way of putting it. But what if he joined the Miami Heat? It seems like the perfect scenario, right? Doesn't seem like a bad scenario. I don't know why Brooklyn would do that because they'd have to take Kyle Lowry back, and he's got another year, and he's making like thirty-three million. And you know, it's uh, <laughs> Kevin Durant and Kyle Lowry. I just I don't think that that's uh, going to be going to be a great situation for uh, for Durant either. They'd have to get a better. I don't know. I don't know what Miami would put together, but I think to make it work, they would at the very least have to include Lowry and a bunch of draft picks. Probably, um, we'll see. I mean, that could work. The Lakers could work. The Clippers could work. The Mavericks could work. They could they could make it worth Brooklyn's while. All of these teams could do that. Um, if he goes out to the Western Conference, that doesn't bother me as a Celtics fan all that much because I don't think that the Clippers are going to restock the Nets in a way that's going to make them some sort of scary team here to to play. Although with Durant, you know, it's never it's never not scary to play Kevin Durant. Although last year, I feel like they did a good job on him. He goes to Phoenix. They swing some trade for Chris Paul. All of a sudden, it's Chris Paul and Kevin Durant out there. That's a little scary. I'll be honest with you. Chris Paul and Durant, that scares me. I know those guys are old as hell, but that still scares me a little bit. Uh, Even as much of a playoff choker as Chris Paul is and has been. I definitely uh, I got the willies a little bit from that. I don't know what the Clippers would offer. The Lakers, I feel like, would have to trade Westbrook. And that would be, I mean, my God, that's probably Kevin Durant's worst nightmare, isn't it? Having to play with Westbrook again? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Yikes. That's anybody's worst night. No one wants to play with Westbrook. Um, and then there's Dallas. Dallas is interesting. They got some players who are kind of like the rest of the players on the Mavs right now. Not on the Mavs, on the Nets right now. I feel like the Nets team outside of uh, Durant and Kyrie is very similar to the Mavericks team outside of Luka. Bunch of guys who are just kind of guys. A couple of guys who can shoot. Well, guys who can get to the basket, a couple of rebounders, very one-dimensional sort of players outside of that, um, or guys who are still developing, like in the mad Christian Wood, you know, or uh, Dinwiddie or somebody like that. I could see them putting something together that Brooklyn would like. And I can also see Brooklyn taking a look at uh, all the offers that they get for a half-season rental of Kyrie Irving and saying, you know what? No thanks. We're good. We'll see what this season, where this season takes us. And if Kyrie wants to tank the rest of the year in a contract year, he wants to go out there and tank after what happened last season and he still thinks he's going to make $200 million in the next four years, good luck to you, buddy. We'll, t- we'll roll those dice. And I, I'll be honest with you, not the worst play I've ever heard. Not the worst play for Brooklyn. They did it already with Durant. Oh, really? You want to trade? Oh, you're going to be disgruntled? Oh, Oh, no, not a disgruntled player on our team. How could we ever? You know what? We're not going to trade you. We didn't get an offer that we liked because our expectations and our demands were outrageously high. So instead of that, we're just going to keep you. You're under contract for however many, four more years, is it, for Durant? And uh, you just play those years, and at the end, you can figure out what you're going to do, and you can leave if you want to leave. But we got you now. You're under contract. You're playing here, and that's, you know, that's that's how we choose to proceed. You want to you go ahead and tank it? Fine. We can't stop you. That's how you want to be remembered there, Kevin Durant, is the guy who tanked for three years in Brooklyn because why? Because what? Because we didn't trade you when you wanted to trade? Oh, sorry. Sorry, we, we signed you to a humongous contract. Sorry we didn't trade you. Oh, our bad. You know, like I could see Brooklyn taking that same thing with Kyrie. Nah, we're not, we're not going to do what you want. We have no interest in this. 
we have no interest in trying to accommodate you and your Supermax contract. It's just it's not going to happen. Um, that's very possible. Either one of those outcomes, I think, are entirely possible. Um, with that being said, if Kyrie goes to Miami, for example, I'm not necessarily sure that pushes Miami over the top. What happened to that team this year? What happened to the Heat this year? They don't look at all like that team from the uh, from the Eastern Conference Finals. They don't look like anything. They look like a team that's barely hanging on, and that's kind of what they are. They're only a game up on, like, the Knicks and the Hawks and these 500 lame teams that, you know, really are, are fringe playoff teams at best. And Miami's way down at the bottom. I mean, they, they've been struggling all year. And I know that they've had their injuries and, you know, guys missing time too, but... I'll tell you, I'm not sure. I'm not sure a dose of vitamin Kyrie is what is uh, ailing that team. I'll just put it that way. And that's the other thing. Any team that trades for Kyrie Irving is bringing in Kyrie Irving. And I'm sorry, but even in Brooklyn, like the 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 very first couple of years, there was problems right away with Kyrie Irving. I mean, there used to be that little grace period. The first year in Boston was great. We all loved Kyrie that first year. We all thought that way, and then he got hurt before the playoffs, and we all thought, oh, man, wait till next year when they get to the playoffs and Kyrie's playing, and Tatum's a year older, and Brown's a year older, and then they get smoked by Milwaukee, and Kyrie rolls over like a dog. That's the one thing I still never forgave that guy for, honestly. Like, all the other stuff, I plan on signing here and then not signing, whatever. You know, guys say stuff like that. I, I cannot get past a playoff series where you've been the whole year. Ah, the regular season doesn't matter. We're going to win in the playoffs because I'm here. Ah, here we go. And then you did roll over Indiana, and then you get Milwaukee, win game one, and then just get mollywopped the next few games, and Kyrie got crushed. Oh, man, did he get crushed for that, and rightfully so. And that, I think, is, is from a basketball perspective. Forget about, you know, everything everything else surrounding the Kyrie-Boston relationship. That right there, that was it for me. That was it for me. That Milwaukee series was a disgrace. God, was he bad. And, you know, I can I can tolerate a bad series here and there. I don't tolerate it from somebody who's been going on all season about, hey, don't worry about it. Regular season doesn't, doesn't matter. We're going to win in the playoffs because I'm here. And then you roll over like that. Oh, God, that pissed me off. More than maybe anything else he's done, except for, I don't know, his recent movie recommendations I haven't been super fond of. I can say that, too. Um, the Celtics, by the way, I think, have really missed Marcus Smart these last couple of weeks. They uh, they are a different team without him. They are a different team without Marcus Smart. I don't know you can argue otherwise right now. I know that they had that great game against Brooklyn, sure, and I know they had that win over the Lakers, which they needed all, all sorts of help with that one. But I think in these other games, you're seeing them out there trying to run their offense and defensively, too, uh, just not having the same kind of cohesion, same kind of chemistry that they have when Marcus Smart's playing. I think that that is uh, 100%. Uh, a fact right now with this team. Um, did you notice Jason Tatum last night in like the third quarter? I think it was the third quarter. His shot's just not falling. And so now he's trying to like throw these fancy passes. Did you see this last night? He threw all these like behind the back pad. They were going out of bounds. And I'm watching him going, what is he doing? Like the very, like I'm watching him and thinking, okay, he recognizes that his shot's not falling. So he's trying to set his guys up. But what is he like? You know, what do you think, your Arvidas Sabonis? Like, what, what, what are these passes coming from? And half the time, they're just not even, he's not lined up. He thinks someone's going to cut, and they don't, and the ball goes flying out of bounds. I'm just like, like, what is this? What are you doing, Jason Tatum? 16 turnovers last night, right? That seems like to be, and that's not, I mean, we've seen stupid passes from him 
really in like the last couple of games. What was it a couple of weeks ago where ugh, I think he tried to hit Brogdon like all the way in the opposite cor- on the opposite corner of the court and it just got intercepted and they had a chance to tie it last night when Tatum drove to the basket. He does a stupid behind the back pass and yeah. then his sons take it down the other end of the court. It's just it's getting too cute when you're trying to win the game. Yeah. He had a couple of those last night. There's that one, yeah, in the fourth, too. Uh, I don't know. I mean, he only had two turnovers in the game. No one in the team had more than two, but they finished with 14. And uh, the Suns finished with eight. So, you know, you tell me. Uh, 617-779-7937. Jason Tatum, 38 minutes. Jalen Brown, 39 minutes. Against the Phoenix Suns without Devin Booker. I was thinking that those two guys wouldn't play that much last night. I expected that the hot shooting and overall strong play that you saw against Brooklyn would carry over into this uh, Phoenix game. I also, I don't know why, but I also kind of thought, eh, maybe the weather, maybe the weather might be a problem for these guys from Arizona, you know, like they're out there all the time. Now they're here in Boston. It's cold. I don't know. thought maybe that might be a thing, but I guess definitely not. Certainly wasn't much of a problem for them. If it was a problem for anybody, it was a problem for Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, who combined to go 6 of 22 from 3 last night. Yuck. Yuck. Team as a whole shot 26%. And that's also a big thing here with this team. For all the talk of, well, they need Marcus Smart or Robert Williams was out and they weren't the same without him and this, that, whatever. Yeah, it's true. But one thing that's kind of the same, whether Tatum's playing or Brown's playing or Smart's playing or Robert Williams is playing or anybody else, you know, the Derek White or Malcolm Brogdon or Al Horford or anybody, whoever it is, this team goes out and hits all their threes and is having a good three-point shooting night. Not like it doesn't have to be great like it was against Brooklyn, but just, you know, good. 37 to 43%. They go out there and shoot like that, they're winning most of these games. Most of their losses come on nights when they're not hitting their threes. It's as simple as that. I mean, I hate to I hate to put it bluntly, but that's been the case most of this year. And they've won some games where they didn't shoot the three well, okay? So it's not like that's the only thing, you know, it's not the only thing that they have to worry about. But it is noticeable, you know? Guys were shooting, like, (laughs) it's just, they were living from three-pointer. Had more than half their shots, I think, were threes last night. Let me check that, because it seemed like it. Yeah, 38, uh, 375 shots altogether. It's more than half their shots. And when you fall behind, you got to shoot your way back into it. But when you can't make your threes, this team kind of, you know, that's what you you get. That's sort of how they look. And I don't know. I don't think of them that way. I don't think of them as a a team that can only score one way. It's just the way the game is played partially right now. And I'm not saying that to be, oh, you know, back in my day. Back in my day, we took mid-range jumpers. Dino Raja shot the mid-range jumper. Like, I don't, you know, like, no one cares, okay? It's not the point. The point is, when your three's not falling, how else are you going to be able to score? And for Jason Tatum, the only thing he could do last night was get to the free throw line. It's the only way he could score any points. Because his three wasn't falling, his twos weren't falling, nothing was falling. Uh, Jalen Brown was missing his threes, too. He had to find other ways to get to the basket, and he did. And Jalen Brown's not somebody that I worry about with that stuff, and usually Jason Tatum's not either. And I think that other guys on this team have, you know, that Malcolm Brogdon is certainly a guy who can create his own offense off the dribble if he needs to. He's a guy who can hit mid-range jumpers. Grant Williams, I think, has developed his mid-range game this year, too. Uh, Derek White has become a better shooter, I think. You know, Horford we know about. It's not like it's beyond them. I just sort of feel like that's that's been the key. 
That's been sort of the key to solving the Celtics this year. Can you throw them off from behind three-point range? Because if you can, they have a hard time readjusting. They have a hard time resetting and getting their offense going when the three's not falling. And maybe that's just the way it is for everybody now. Maybe that's just the way all these NBA teams operate. Uh, but for the Celtics, it's becoming a problem. 617-779-7937. Let's go to Mike in Framingham. Go ahead, Mike. Hey, bravo for some realistic talk about the Celtics for a change. Thanks, Mike. Uh, they, they, they have so many problems. You, you touched on a lot of them. First of all, they're a terrible passing team. And they're not only a terrible passing team, but when's the last time that you saw either Tatum or Brown cut and get a pass and get a shot off? They don't. Everything is one-on-one, man-on-man, beat your man, take the three-pointer. They never. There's no movement at all. And I understand the offense changed a little bit with a three-pointer. But, but these other teams are able to cut, get to the basket, get open shots, and the Celtics don't do it. And the, 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 the number of the problem, I think, uh, besides the fact that they're still only 24 and 25 years old, Tatum and Brown, is the fact that they don't have a coach who has the gravitas and has the ability to tell these guys, Here's what we're going to do. Here's what you're going to do. They do what they want, and the coach has no no ability to structure an offense when the three-point is not falling and when the game is falling apart. And their chances of, of winning it all, I think, are, are, are very low because they don't, they don't have that type of versatility. Thanks for the call, Mike. Appreciate it and appreciate the kind words you said there. Um, I think this team has a puncher's chance at winning the championship this year. I do. And, like, a heavy puncher's chance, you know? Like, Riddick Bowe puncher's chance. Like, they're they're a strong candidate still, even with the recent uh, problems that they've had. I still think they're going to be betting favorites for most of the year. I still think the rest of the league, when they play the Celtics, are going to be playing them and sort of framing it like we're playing the best team in the league tonight. Okay? I don't think they're doing that with the Nuggets. I don't think they're doing that with the Bucks. I don't think they're doing that with the Warriors or these other teams, you know, the Lakers and the Clippers. Like, I don't think so. By the way, you know who the third best team in the West is, Andrew? Oh, I have the standings in front of me. Hold on. How about the Sacramento Kings? Try that on for size. Try the Sacramento Kings on for size. They haven't been good since Vladi Divac was there. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. They're the three seed in the West. They're probably going to be a playoff team, the Sacramento Kings. And they didn't have a strong start to the season, correct? I don't think they came out. I'll tell you what, I don't know. I don't know anything about the Sacramento Kings this year. I I couldn't tell you anything about them. I know some of the players on the team. They got some players that I like. Uh, uh, Fox, I think, is still there, right? I like De'Aaron Fox. Um, uh, They traded for uh, Sabonis for uh, Sabonis' kid from the Pacers, and I think he's been great, very good there. Um, I don't even know who else they have. They still have Harrison Barnes, I want to say, or. who was the kid who was the rookie, uh, Mitchell, a couple years ago? Dave, Davion Mitchell? Yeah, they still, still have uh, Harrison Barnes. Uh, Davion. Is Mitchell on another team now? I know nope, some... he's there. Okay. Some guy chirped me a couple years ago because I didn't know who Davion Mitchell was. He's like, he plays for the Kings, man. So now I remember him every time. <laughs> it's because that one guy got so mad uh, when I was. And I feel like it was because I was, uh, it was like NBA All-Star Weekend. And it was one of those, like, up and it was the up and comer game or like the uh, rookies versus sophomores game, and the Celtics didn't have anybody playing in it. And I was like, they don't even have these great stars. Look at Davion Mitchell. This guy was all mad. <laughs> it might have actually been Davion Mitchell. Uh, anyways, the Kings are the three seed for the first time since Jason White Chocolate Williams <laughs> roamed the backcourt. I'll tell you, I like those teams. Peja and Weber, and uh, who was the guy with the wife? Um, who was the guy, the guard? 
who had the wife who didn't let him talk to uh, female reporters. What the hell was this? Oh, Doug Christie. Doug Christie. <laughs> that was a fun team. Sounds like a hell of a woman. Um, yeah. Yeah, sure. <laughs> hey, listen. I don't. I don't know what was going on in their house. I'm not gonna. Not gonna judge. But I will say that uh, that that's the last time the Kings were any good. But no one in the NBA is looking at the Kings like, oh god, we got the Kings tonight. <laughs> no one's like, oh no, the not not the Nuggets. We got to play the Nuggets tonight. I don't even know where the two seed is. Uh, Sacramento's the three seed. The two seed is the Grizzlies. Oh, we got to play John Moran. You know who the Grizzlies are scared of the Celtics. Nuggets and the Kings and the Mavs and the Clippers and the Suns and all these damn maybe the Suns they beat them but like these other teams they're not afraid of the number one teams in the West right now and I don't think they're afraid of the Bucks or the Sixers or the Nets or the Cavs they're afraid of the Celtics the Celtics are the team that still strikes fear that's that hasn't changed yet that hasn't changed yet it may it may start to but right now I still think they're carrying that around with them and other teams are going to be playing them that same way and that's why I think you got to be careful here with Brown and Datum you got to be careful with their minutes. Uh, you have got to stop when they when it's a blowout when you're up 30 points in the first quarter maybe give them a little bit more of a break uh, and maybe when you're up I don't know 15 in the fourth quarter 15 at the half you can give them a little bit more of a break there too I understand you want to win games I understand they want to put up stats all that's true but you know it's when they come out and say hey there's more important things than all NBA there's more important things than MVP and All Star nods and all that stuff okay prove it all right prove it then. Stop playing 37 minutes a night. Jokic plays 33. Giannis plays 33. Tatum's playing 37, and uh, Brown's playing 36. Okay, so those other guys are able to put up MVP numbers four-plus minutes less a game than you. All right, so work on that, I guess, if it's so important to you. 617-779-7937. There's your phone number. Quick break. When we come back, Evan Drellick, my good friend Evan Drellick, has uh, written the book. There are some excerpts that have come out about it. And they don't paint the manager of the Red Sox in a particularly good light. We'll get to uh, some of that. And also a a weird experience I had with an app on my phone. Um, We'll get to that as well coming up right after this. Covering Boston sports and beyond. We're back to Christian Arcan on WEEI. Boston Sports Original, WEEI. It's Christian Arkean here with you, taking you up until 4 o'clock. Next hour, we'll be joined by John Corrales right around 2.30, Boston Sports Journal. We'll talk uh, Celtics with him. We're going to get into the Red Sox here in just a minute, but something weird happened uh, to me this week. It's the first week with the new show, Jones, Mego, and uh, me, Arkean. Thought it went pretty well. Thought it was a strong start. Um, but on Friday, yesterday, we did a, a new segment called Bet Roulette in which we roll a dice. It really has nothing to do with roulette. It shouldn't be called that, but I was well, I didn't name it. <laughs> it's called Bet Roulette, uh, where we roll a dice. There's six uh, different bets, and you roll the die, and uh, wherever it lands on, you got to make a pick on that bet. And Jones forgot to bring in a die, so we didn't have one. And there was not one. No one had a board game here in the office anywhere, so we were just we were SOL. So I said, don't worry. Surely on my phone... In the App Store, I should be able to find a dice simulator. <laughs> you know, I feel like that's... I remember, like, when I was in, like, third grade, and I'm old, but uh, and I know there's people who do this for a job who probably think I sound like a total idiot right now, but whatever, I'm not one of those people, and I sort of remember this from being, like, in third or fourth grade, on those old Mac computers, learning about 
you know, dice, if, then, one, two, three, four, you know, like a set of numbers, and you could make like a fake die, and he had that little triangle, and you could draw stuff. It was the turtle, and it would go around. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? It was a long time ago, uh, but I sort of remember that. I remember that being like a very sort of basic, simple, like, thing to program. So I thought, of course, I'll be able to find the dice uh, app on my phone. Easy. No problem. So uh, I find one. There's several. <laughs> There's a lot to choose from. I guess it's an easy thing to make. And so I download the one with the best ratings, and I got it, and uh, we're getting ready to start the bit. And I go to roll the die on the phone, and the Dice app pops up and says, the Dice app would like to track your activity over your other apps. <laughs> I said, what the hell do you want to do that for, Dice app? <laughs> like, what, what do you want to know? <laughs> You're a dice app. Like, what is this? How is this information going to help you in any way? Like, I understand if it was Instagram and I'm posting pictures and they're running ads or, you know, I'm uh, another ad like Twitter where I'm, you know, saying things to people or uh, instant messaging back and forth, whatever, playing a game, things like that. It's not even a game. It's just dice. (laughs) It's just one dice tumbling. That's the whole thing. And it wants to track my activity on the other app. Like, why? What? What could that? What could that information possibly do for you, Dice app? I don't understand. I don't understand why they even want it. You're just dice. Like, what? How's that going to help you? I think all apps do that, right? Where they like ask, uh, like a notification comes up, and it's like, ask this app not to track, like whatever or whatever you need. That to was say, the other know? one. The Dice app would like to send you notifications. What do you, what do you have to say to me, Dice app? What do you, like, what do you have, what possible news in the world of Dice could you have that you have to relay to me on my phone through a notification? Like, what notification could you possibly have to tell me? You have upgraded the Dice? dice? (laughs) Hey, it's been a while since we've seen you. Hey, been a while since you rolled some Dice. (laughs) What, What do you have to tell me, Dice app? I'm sorry. I'm losing my. Uh, I'm I'm losing my uh, headphone. Jo- I'm going freaking crazy back here with this thing. I'm going out of my mind with this thing. I can't hear my side. Can't hear you. I don't know if you're, are you are talking right now. I am now. Okay. All right. Now I got it. Now I got it. Oh man, I was really cooking on that dice app bit too. <laughs> um, I forgot what I was talking about. The dice app. Dice app wants to know too much. By the way. If you're one of the people that's tracking the uh, spy balloon, apparently they've shut down uh, several airports in the North and South Carolina area right now. And I believe that they've done that because they're planning on taking this thing down. They're taking her down. Uh, you're not going to you're not going to spy on us for more than two days, China, with your balloon. <laughs> one day we can set two days. That's it. That's when we that's when we decide to take action. <laughs> With your stupid balloon. I don't, honestly, like, I don't know what that balloon is. I don't know what it's doing up there. I don't know why it floated all the way from China to Montana or whatever it was. I know there's like a nuclear base there or a silo or something. Um, But doesn't, if they really wanted to look at the nuclear base, don't they have satellites that can just look down at anything they want to look at anytime they want? What do they have to send some big, giant, stupid looking balloon over to Wyoming for or Montana, wherever it was? And now it's floated all the way over to North Carolina. That thing's really moving up there. Uh, yeah, that balloon. I think they said it was like for meteor. I can't say the word. It was a weather balloon. Like I don't know. Right. I guess meteorology. Court. Meteor. Meteorology. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah sure, just checking man. the weather. <laughs> That's what it is, man. Yeah. Yeah. You sheep will probably believe that too, man. 
did you leave with your tinfoil hat on today? Okay, you know, you don't want that thing tracking. You already got the Dice app on, uh, you know, that's already on you. you don't the need Dice that. app knows everything about me now. I've, <laughs> I'm getting notifications. I'm getting the latest news on what's new with Dice. Like, it's everything. I am in tune with the Dice app. Dice forget, app knows all my habits now. Forget the, balo- forget the balloon. <laughs> it's the Dice app that people really got to be worried about. It's true. Everyone's like, oh, they're spying on us. Like, no, they're, they're, are, they're spying on us in very many other ways, I would imagine. It's like we're probably spying on them. Oh, no, the balloon's here. Yeah, you, did you just post a TikTok, you know, probably? Like they know everything about you from TikTok. Don't worry about the balloon, guys. Uh, but I'll let you know if it comes down. By the way, I didn't even get to this. Evan Drellick wrote a book. It's called Winning Fixes Everything, and I guess we'll get into it next. Uh, 617-779-7937. There's your phone number. It's Christian Arcand. Uh, we'll get into Drellick's book and what it means for, or what it may mean for Alex Cora right after this. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.